Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Sixers vs. Hawks Game 7 is tonight. I don't think we really need too much more of an intro. Let's talk it over. All right. Welcome, everybody. This is Derek and Rich. You freaking know by now. On the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. We are coming to you before Game 7 of Sixers vs. Hawks. I guess to get out of the way, I apologize for the fact that there won't be a lot of time between when this comes out and Game 7, um, between traveling and writing and all that, yada, yada, yada. I, do, I, I, I can hear people yelling at me already. I apologize, but here we are. We're giving you a nice little Game 7 preview in audio form, though, you know? It'll be, it'll be in and out, short, um, yeah. It, it's an eight it, o'clock game. There's a lot of time to listen. Come it, on. It is what it is. Deal with it. Um, I'm putting sunglasses on right now. So the Sixers obviously won game six in Atlanta, 104 to 99, setting up this game seven. Uh, they will, if they do win tonight, they will take on the Milwaukee Bucks, who won in overtime in game seven of their series against the Nets. Um, so that game would be Wednesday again, if they win. And if they win is a big if, because I have no idea what in the world from not only game to game, but from quarter to quarter, what to expect out of this team right now. No, I have no idea. And if the Sixers come out and blow the Hawks out tonight, which uh, that, that tends to happen a lot in this specific series setup, 3-2 road team or the uh, the underdog, they have their chance to deliver the knockout blow. They don't do it and they miss their chance. That could be the case. But I got to say, the Sixers haven't earned the benefit of the doubt no. with the way they've played. And um, they could be up 30 at the half, and I'll be like, hey, there's still 24 minutes to play. I don't know. Might be a bad thing, honestly. They might they might rather be down four at the half yeah. and not playing well, so they're like, all right, we can at least come back in this game. Well, but- that, that's a good, good segue into game six because they were down... I don't know about four, but it was, they it were was down, four. was it four? Yeah, it was, it was four. It was four. Uh, and they were not playing well. Um, didn't necessarily play great in the second half either, but they played better than the Hawks. Um, how much do you want to spend on game f- six and how much do you want to look forward to game seven? I think we can kind of do it in concert. So th- I-, I guess the-, the good news for the Sixers is that maybe outside of one massive exception, they didn't go down. Da- like, if they would have lost game six, and by the way, they could have lost. Atlanta just could have made a few more shots. And, yeah. uh, you know, the, obviously the Sixers' offensive execution was pretty bad, I would say, for most of the game, especially when Embiid is playing like that. I, I would say the good news for them is that they did not go down meekly. They 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 certainly took the Hawks' best shot at the beginning of that game, which... You knew it was going to happen. They come out flying. Trey Young is making threes and floaters and were setting they down up. like fourteen to two or something like that. I know they're, they're down, down ten to two, but they were down twenty to eight. I think Oof. was yep. was the biggest. That was when Maxi came in deficit, and 
Yeah, I mean, what a what a crazy turn of events that is. You know that you have a rookie twenty year old who, I mean, again, this is another example of a guy who plays himself out of the rotation, and then comes back and saves their ass. That's two the series that that's happened with with yeah, him and Shake. He played eighty seconds in game game six, eighty, and they were garbage time. It's crazy, and it and it was rightful, or uh, it was a the right move to take him out of the rotation for the he first was, two games. He was, bad. It was terrible. Yep. But uh, among the kind of bench player saving the Sixers minutes throughout this series, I mean, I cannot understate how important those Tyrese Maxey minutes were to do that in an elimination game, in a game six. You know, I, I've kind of the entire year been like, I'm not sure what Tyrese Maxey's going to give you in the playoffs. I like his future. I like what he has shown from a skill set standpoint. He certainly seems like a very hard worker. I mean, to get those minutes in a, in that big of a spot is tremendous from a 20 year old rookie. And part of me wonders if it's just, that's just a kid who, a he's pretty confident, but B like he's too young to know. He doesn't know any better. Yep. Yep. Which is good because that, that game started game six started and all of the Sixers, big players look tentative and hesitant and like, I don't want to say at the moment was too big for him, but they certainly looked like they were unsure of themselves uh, from Tobias, who, who got it going there later on in the second half to Joel, to Ben, who is a completely different conversation. All of them looked tentative. Uh, Maxi came in. I think he sparked a 12 to five run where he scored half of those points by himself and forget about the production for a second. And the production was necessary. Like it got him back into the game, gave them a puncher's chance, gave Seth set the stage for Seth Curry to come back and do what he did. And Tobias Harris to sort of write his ship. Um, even forgetting that, like he wasn't scared. Wasn't scared. I, it seems super reductive to say that, but like they needed that in that moment. And look, I don't know what you're going to get out of Tyrese Maxey in game seven. If they win, I don't know what you're going to get out of him against the bucks. Certainly that is a much tougher matchup for him to get into the paint off the dribble against. I do know he's not going to come in there and be scared. And he might make bad decisions. His shot might not go in. He might rely on the floater. He might not get to the foul line. Like, there are reasons why he's not going to give you 16 points on uh, 12 shots or something in that range that he gave you in game six. But he is going to come in there and give you effort. He's going to attack. And they needed that in a very, very big way. And and shouts to Mike Muscala. Um, again, <laughs> if, if you are listening to this and you don't know why that is relevant, uh, he hit two big threes in a meaningless game for Oklahoma City. Last year in the bubble, the final game of their season when they had nothing to play for. They won that game because of that. The pick conveyed to the Sixers at 21. Uh, so basically, uh, the Thunder owed the Sixers a top 20 protected first round pick. Uh, because of that, it conveyed at 21 rather than 20. Um, the Sixers would not have Tyrese Maxey if Mike Muscala doesn't hit two bullshit threes at the end of their meaningless regular season game last year. So props to Mike. If you if you see him, buy him a drink. You out to him. It is funny that a moment that was pretty deep in the bubble, that was kind of towards the end of the regular season yeah. section of the bubble, when I think the Sixers were about as down as you can get just because Ben they had was lost, out. They had lost Ben Simmons yeah. by that point, just looked like Brett was going to get fired. And then, I mean, they played a terrible series and got killed by the Celtics. We, we hadn't gotten to that point yet, but it, just kind of a stupid little aside yeah. with, the, with the Sixers diehards intently watching that game and going nuts when Mike Muscala beat the Miami Heat in a 
in a meaningless game. Imagine if, because if that pick doesn't convey what it became, two second round picks. Imagine if you had two second round picks instead of, instead of Tyrese Maxey, your season would literally be over. It would literally be over. It's a crazy turn of events. And for a team it, in Oklahoma City that has hoarded every other first round pick, for them <laughs> to give away that first round pick, it is stunning. It is stunning. Oh, man, that is, that's wild. Yeah, they, they would, Tyrese Maxey would be on Oklahoma City probably right now. He would have probably got taken out of the rotation late in the year because they, they couldn't win a game. So that's, I mean, he, I know that he's a rookie and he makes mistakes, but you, you can't have a competent basketball player out there. But yeah, I mean, and then, so not only for that pick to convey, but also like, I remember when we were doing the draft preview stuff, we didn't think Maxie no. was going to fall that far. Yep. He was, he was a mid first, I thought. And it's, it's just wild. Like I, I, I made the comparison with Ben in my piece to, uh, to Fred Van Vliet, and I've, I've made that one before, kind of a, somebody struggling and getting bailed out by one of their players. When Fred Van Vliet got bailed out, it was by Kawhi Leonard having a great series. <laughs> yeah. Ben Simmons is getting bailed out by Seth Curry and Tyrese Maxey, which is, uh, I mean, again, it, you just never know how it's going to happen. And I guess that that's, I would say overall, like that's why I love the NBA playoffs, man. These guys make millions of dollars and they're still terrified a lot. Like it's an insane amount of pressure. The the possession that the Sixers had with like one thirty left in game yep, five. Yep. Yep. Just horrified. And I'm also thinking like they did better in game six. The possession when um I guess it was right after Trey hits that crazy three in Maxie's face playing good defense. They're up one with I think a minute forty left in the game, and Doc runs an ATO for Embiid and he scores, and that's just you can't be scared, and sometimes you can see like these guys actually shrink in the moment. You see it in the the Brooklyn Milwaukee series as well, and that's why uh, that's why getting Tyrese Maxey and him being able to do this as a twenty year old is I, I mean it's not something you counted on coming into the series, but it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and I'm speaking of shrinking, like how many air balls did Giannis? throw up at the free throw line the other night like that'll be something if, if those two go against each other oh my uh, god can you imagine if they're just being hacked simultaneously yeah, both of them yeah i mean it doesn't seem like doc wants to do that because he hasn't done that with capella at all uh but yeah that would be um terrifying to have to watch and cover uh by the way some of those capella free throws are i mean he's rifling the ball at the yeah. basket yeah yeah, I, it would be interesting if they try. I I hope they don't, just because I hate watching it, and I hate watching <laughs> I it too. when it happens to Ben, and I hate watching it when it happens to other teams. Um, but it would be it would be valid to set him the free throw line four times and see if he can make them. Um, for sure, for sure. And quite honestly, like right now, uh, we could do. Do you want to just do the Ben thing now, or should we? I mean, I don't really know if I have too much to say. Like he's completely in his head, and he's not on the court offensively. It's and that to me is a much bigger issue than the free throws right now. It's the fact that he's just not involved. Like he flips the ball when he crosses half court and he, he sits and he stays away from the ball. Um, and I don't, I, I truthfully don't know what to say. I don't he's he is. And you mentioned it. He is so far in his head right now. And this is the worst it's ever been like by far, at least in the previous years when he struggled against Toronto or struggled against Boston, those were legitimate defenses that could take away his weakness. This isn't taking away his weaknesses. He's just, he's, he's, he's not here offensively. He's it's frustrating. As you all know, by now we've teamed up with bet MGM this season. 
We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABASKETBALL, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic. Plus, up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABASKETBALL. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas, Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one 866 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge sports betting is void in georgia hawaii and utah and other states where prohibited promotional offers not available in nevada and new york don't forget if you haven't signed up for bet mgm yet use the bonus code ta basketball and you'll get a one year subscription to the athletic plus up to a one thousand dollar first bet offer on your first wager yeah i don't really have much more to add i think we said our piece on this in the uh in the last pod i i, I mean i'll just Say it again, though. I can't think of a more damaging series for a player's personal standing in the league than I've ever seen. Oh so. yeah, like people. I you hear people like, "Oh, trade him for Dame." Like, you're, what what NBA are you watching? You're not getting Dame for him. Um, he, yeah, his, but, his, his, his but he went from trade him to Dame to like, I, I don't know. I, I think I think you have to go pretty far down the list now. Where, yeah. Whereas, like, I thought Bradley Beal was doable at some point. I, I don't, I don't know how that can be done after this series. Like you, no, I, look, there, there. That's your best player on your team. I, I just. I what remember is the talking to people around the league after the Boston series, and there was a very real sentiment of, "Well, that's a regular season player," and I certainly don't think what has happened here has dispelled that notion whatsoever. And look, you and I, I think, have always said, like, yeah, Ben's offense, like he can provide something in the regular season. I think a good defense can game plan him out of it and take advantage of his weaknesses. I never envision the Hawks doing that. And I never envision like there's one thing you can game plan around his 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 weaknesses in terms of his skill set. But in ter- what's going on here is only partially related to the skill set. It's much broader in terms of his confidence. Um and look, do I think he's going to be better in future playoffs? Probably. He can't be worse. But it just shows you that you have no idea A what a good defense can do and B, if he does start going downhill and hit a skid, what he can do to himself. Like the fact that you can have a good defense that can game plan him out. And also he can take himself out of the series because of, of his, his struggles. It is, I have no idea what his trade value is right now. I have no idea, no idea. And people will say, Oh, well don't overreact to the moment. Uh, recency bias, blah, blah, blah. Well, this has been a running trend. Every time he's been in the playoffs, this is the most egregious example of it. But I certainly think there is a sentiment out there that you can't trust this guy in the playoffs, not only because a really great defense in the conference finals, or the finals can take him out of it, but also he can take him out himself. It's uh, it's not great. It's not great. It's a really bad situation where, you know, the Sixers are, are one game away from going farther than they have during the process. 
and, and having a chance to make the NBA Finals, starting the series on their home court, and they have this massive problem <laughs> hanging over their head and staring at them this summer. So I'll just say, like, looking ahead to Game 7 and perhaps past that if they win, I, I cannot tell you how important these games are for Ben Simmons to just do something good. Something. Because... Like, legitimately... And, like, and, and, if we and for the get, Sixers to win, too. That's the other part. If we could get Washington series Ben Simmons back, oh, my God. That, what a boost that would be to the Sixers' chances. And also to my personal life, because I wouldn't have to talk about this every freaking podcast. But you are so far away from Washington series Ben Simmons right now. It is it is frustrating. And also, that Milwaukee defense is way better. Like, that Milwaukee defense is that good defense that can take advantage of Ben Simmons' weaknesses in his game. Even if he's confident, even if he's playing at his good level, that defense can can game plan around that and take advantage of it and make Embiid's life hard, make Harris's life hard, and take Simmons out of the series, even if he's confident. So for him to enter that series... Uh, with his confidence at an all-time low, it is, uh, look, look, I hope they win tonight and we can have this conversation, um, but it is a little scary. We we can talk about that, yeah, when we get there, but I think that is a horrible matchup for the Sixers. I'm just going to put that out there in the next round. I yeah. think a, a Brooklyn team that was relying on Kevin Durant to do everything, and Kevin Durant is insane. Great performance last night, like legendary type shit. That would have been a better matchup for them. So, but okay, so like, let's go to game seven with Ben. He he was taken out of the game for two reasons in game six. One was foul trouble, yep. and the other one was free throw shooting in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and like early in the fourth quarter. Like, I think McMillan started right under seven minutes, like 641 left. And he came out, I think he shot, what, four free throws? Uh, they split, let him hack him twice, him. Yeah. went two for four, and boom, Doc was done. Maxi was in. And he didn't bring him back until 159. So I think one thing to look for, and this, <laughs> I love how we're talking about like a series adjustment and what, what the Hawks might do. You know what they might do? They might hack him early. That's yeah. what they might do. Uh, so, so yeah, they took him out for foul trouble. And Ben had a game where just, there were a couple of those fouls that were just stupid. I, I don't know why he was being that overly physical. Especially the the fifth one, he just set a blatant moving screen. Like, yeah. what, what are you doing? Um, so, what, what do you do? I mean, it, the Sixers' reality in Game Six was he got taken out due to foul trouble, and that probably was a good thing for them because Maxi came into the game and did stuff that he can't do. Uh, so, what, what do you think? Like, if you know, the first quarter kind of starts with. Ben completely uninvolved. Like, do you think there's a chance that Doc doesn't play him, you know, his 38 minutes a game? Like, like he might treat him like more of a bottom of the le- bottom level starter or high level bench guy with his minutes. Do you think there's any chance of that? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. In part because I think, I think Ben has a self-awareness to realize he's not playing good basketball. So I think if Doc did this, I don't think he loses Ben. And I, I give Ben a little, I mean, that's probably part of the problem that Ben is hyper aware of his weaknesses, but I give Ben a little credit because I do think he is a little self-aware of what is going on. But also because, I mean, this is a game fucking seven, like there's no, <laughs> like there's no margin for error here. So I think what would probably more likely happen is Maxi and Ben would play alongside of each other. 
uh, a little bit. I don't think he would cut his minutes too much, in part because he they do still need his defense when he's playing well. I think it would probably be more Matisse that would get his minutes cut because he has another zero on offense that is in there for defensive purposes. You know, I don't think I don't think the Hawks will intentionally foul him. Maybe they will just a possession or two just to see how he reacts. But you don't want to go to hack a Ben early on when you're not already in the bonus. So I don't think they are going to, um, you know, start that foul trouble too early. But yeah, I mean, look, he was the way he played in game six. There is no there should be no guarantee he will get 35, 40 minutes. He just he wasn't playing good enough to earn that in that game. It's Amazing. It's amazing. So there there was a set where Embiid was getting fronted. They were trying to enter the ball to him on the post from the wing. And he was getting fronted. And the the clear thing that the Sixers always do is have Ben flash to the free throw line and just throw it over the top to him because he has the guy sealed because he's being fronted. They had that wide open. I mean, Ben was essentially at the free throw line. And he didn't look like he wanted it. It didn't look like Tobias wanted to throw the ball to Ben even for a second because he would have gotten rid of it right away. He just he just needs to play a more confident game. I, I get it. Like we are, you know, we're, we're deep into the playoffs here. He's not gonna. I, I mean, he's not gonna score thirty points for sure. But he just needs to be more assertive with the basketball. And he, he the other thing too is he can't play the game scared of getting fouled. Because that ruins. Oh well, that that's every that's, other thing he does. That's going that, to happen. Yeah, and that's but that's worse than like you said. That's worse than the free throws. Standing and doing nothing. That's almost worse than him shooting thirty yeah. percent from the free throw line because it it's useless out there. I mean, I, I think he's going to play a lot. You know, obviously he um he he definitely is the best guy to guard Trey Young still, and and to have that in the game is is a positive thing. Although I think the Hawks have done a good job getting those switches in the past few games. It, it, they've had a little bit more yeah. success with Trey. By the way, Trey had a great game. He he did have 30 shots to get his 34 points and a, yeah. a bunch of BS free throws too. So the Sixers he, he's, defense has not been the problem here in this series. Yeah. So, but if you're, so if you're getting stops, like you do need to get Simmons out and running because he's not going to help you on the half court. That is, that is a big part of it. And I think the other, other key for, this game, in terms of just improving, you need to find a way to get Embiid the ball in better spots. You know, they they ran so much clunky offense down the stretch of that game, and he took a lot of bad shots after a first quarter in which I think what he turned the ball over five times in the first quarter. Yeah, he was he was brutal, and not only with his shot selection, but also just his decision making. He, you know, we the first four or five games of the series, we spoke many times that. Those Atlanta double teams aren't flustering him at all. Well, over these last two or three games, like he, his decision making has just slowed down to a crawl in that regard. And those double teams, and I've gone back and I've rewatched a bunch of them. I don't really think Atlanta is doing anything too much more sophisticated. He's just he's he's second guessing. I think everything he's doing. It is he is nowhere near the offensive player, and he's played a couple of pretty good games defensively. He is nowhere near the offensive player he was in the beginning of the season. And that is a that is a big concern, too, especially when, I mean, Tobias Harris is capable of, of throwing up a clunker. Ben Simmons isn't on the court. Um, that is a concern for sure. Yeah, he, you're just going to need to be better. I mean, Joe, I don't want to say he got lucky because he was bad and Tyrese Maxey bailed him out because at some point somebody has to bail Joe out. Like, yeah. it's, it's not, he, he has a body of work that, you know what, he, he earns the benefit of the doubt. No, he's also playing hurt as well 
Yeah, no, that's this is a, this is a that's like, a concern though. If he if 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 they lost the series, I wouldn't blame Joe. It's just if they are going to win Game Seven, him He's being be better right. would be yeah. yeah. Um, do you know? So, so that's yeah. a big thing. Also, you know, you know what? This isn't an adjustment. I would just say it's more of a keep on doing it. Seth Curry making every shot. I would say keep doing that. Yes. If, if you can. I mean, that's going to be their half court offense. I would say in a in a tight spot. You know, unless unless Tobias or somebody has a crazy game. And you know what? Credit to Tobias. It does show that when you compare him to Ben, we're talking about. To, like Ben is just a much more fundamental issue, you know. Yeah. Tobias, Tobias having a bad game, you could just say, "Oh, that's that's a bad game," but he has the ability to bounce back. And I thought it was impressive because I didn't even think he had the touch early on. Like he, it, it wasn't coming as easy to him as say, like you know, game one of that Washington series where he's just got it rolling right away, and it's let's keep it going. He he fought through kind of you know having average feel and was was good enough for to get the Sixers the win. So so credit to him. I mean Seth Curry, by the way, twenty eight of forty seven from from three. And some if, of these if shots ben are Simmons not easy. Could shoot free throws like that, uh, our world would be completely different. Yeah. And you had the tweet of the of the night, I thought, that Ben Simmons owes him a uh, a Lambo if they if they find a way to win the series, which I'm sure you can afford. Uh, I was going to say like a watch because that seems like a gift that athletes give each other. But like, that's not that's not enough. That's not enough. Um, Yeah, no, Seth has been incredible. And I that concerns me a little bit because at some point those shots aren't going to go in. I don't care how good of a shooter you are. You are going to hit a cold spell. And the Sixers right now just they just don't have anyone to really pick them up that I'm confident in. Um, Tobias Harris has not been good here these last couple of games, even though he rebounded a little bit in the second half. Um, his, his shot selection, his decision-making just does not seem quite as good. It does seem like he's a little bit in his head in terms of missing shots. Ben Simmons, obviously Joel Embiid, like you, you, all of these guys that you're counting on, I don't know what to expect out of any of them. So if Seth doesn't have a great game, I don't know where they go. And this is, I did not expect to be having this conversation quite frankly about either Ben or Tobias because they have, like, it's not like the Hawks personnel has changed. They still have a very exploitable matchup each and every time down the court um, to have both of them to the point where you don't know what you're going to get out of. I mean, I have a pretty good idea what you're going to get out of Ben Um, to not be able to count on any of them. Really? It is a, um, they're putting a lot of pressure on their defense. Their offense has been dreadful. And we'll see. I mean, the Hawks could be without another person. Bogdanovich yeah. might be out, which, you know, he has not played a good offensive series at all. He's missed a lot of open shots. That said, he's guarded Tobias pretty well in the post. Like, if, if, I mean, I, I know it's, you know, still going to be a favorable matchup even if, if he is in the game, but th- that also is something that could help the Sixers tonight. It's just It's just hard, though. Like, you know, you see Doc... He went a lot in Game Five to the Seth Curry and Bead two man game, and, and you know there were like a lot of double drag screens for Maxi and things like that. Doc ran a nice um, that that back the, the play where Seth Curry back screens for Embiid and then pops out for three. Honestly, that probably should just be their half court offense. Like in a series where they are struggling mightily on the offensive end, it gets Embiid in the post. Or, or it could be Simmons, too. It could get Simmons in the post, get Seth Curry on the move. Seems like you're doing a good thing. I don't know. It's The fact that they have struggled so hard to score over these past couple of games is concerning. 
because it it looks like it's not going to be fixed. Like if you have Embiid taking these bad shots, I'm sorry. Like with the way Embiid is playing right now, Trey Young running a pick and roll on the other end just it seems like a a more sustainable, dangerous offense than what the Sixers are throwing up. So that's another reason why. Like I don't think you can guarantee the Sixers win the night. I, I think it's very much a toss up game. Yeah, yeah. I think it. I think definitely. I think when when you had asked me. In a previous podcast, the um, odds of the series, I was thinking something like forty percent they win game um, game six in Atlanta, maybe a little lower, maybe thirty five, and then like maybe like sixty percent they win game seven. I would probably make the Sixers a slight favorite in this game seven, but I have no idea. You know, I think that was still when I had a little more confidence in Embiid, and I don't know what's truly ailing Joel. If that knee has just gotten progressively worse, if it gets worse as the game wears on. If um, maybe his conditioning when he t- had that time off took a little bit of a hit or if he's just lacking confidence himself, he doesn't know if he can trust the knee. He just settled for bad shots. I don't he's maybe he's just frustrated. I don't know. But that was when I thought, you know, I still had that memory of the first half of game five in my head um, right now. Look, game four, five, six, Joel Embiid has played really one good half offensively and the rest has been pretty disappointing and i don't know entirely what is behind that but i think that is a um that's certainly maybe not i wouldn't say it's making me pessimistic but it's giving me a little bit of angst if i were a sixers fan joel Embiid in this series in the fourth quarter 11 of 32 yeah from the field 34 percent oh of five from three six assists four turnovers minus 15 overall yeah it's um I, he's just going to have to be better. I don't know if he's even capable of it, though, just because whether it's the knee or he looks fatigued at the end of these games, too. I, yep. I don't know if that's in conjunction with whatever is he's dealing with. Like he's he's clearly hurt, but you know, it's he's got to he's got to push through it and and be the best player on the floor because uh, I I do not expect Trey Young to throw up a stinker in this game. I'll say no, that. no, I don't. All right, one more topic, and then we will get to predictions. What in the bleepity bleep bleep bleep? I'm going to try to keep the F-bombs down because I know there were a couple in the last podcast. What in the bleepity bleep 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 do you do about Dwight Howard and the time when Embiid's on the bench? I, I think, well, I think Doc is going to play Dwight. Yep. It's pretty clear. And especially because they're coming off a game in which, I think, what was he, plus 12? And he, I don't even... He was I don't even think plus, he, yeah. I don't even think he was... Resp- that's the problem with Dwight. Whether they're good, whether they're bad, he's not responsible for any of it when when he's on the court. So that presents this kind of wild fluctuation in what can happen. Uh, What what I would do, I would probably play Simmons at at center. But again, this is why the Sixers are in such a tough spot right now. If Simmons was playing a normal series even, just like showing some sort of aggression and, and going to the rim, then that becomes a much easier call. If he can't have the ball in his hands, what's the point of playing him at center? I, I do not exactly know. I, I expect them to play the. I expect them to play Dwight and, and just roll with what they have. Now, it'll be very interesting to me. Like, let's say that bench group has a bad first half and they're in a tight game in the fourth quarter. That is when I think it would be very interesting. Like, what what do you do, Doc? Does Dwight even step on the floor? Do you play Embiid? You know, twenty two minutes in the second half, something like that. And I think there's a chance that that is what happens. But yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I think we're going to see Dwight again. Yeah, I would. I would. I would certainly. 
Excuse me. I would certainly agree with you that I think Doc is going to stick with Dwight. That's just what he's he's preferred all year. I don't expect that to change. Now, um, you know, I would certainly go to Ben at the five. And a lot of people came back and they were like, oh, well, but what are you going to do rebounding wise? Well, the, the rebounder you're really worried about is Clint Capella. Clint has not shared the court with Dwight almost at all. Like their minutes do not overlap all that much. In fact, of Dwight's um, 50 or 63 minutes, uh, Clint Capella has been on the court for four of them. So that is not a huge concern. Also, Ben Simmons is a pretty good rebounder. Um, he has the size and at times the physicality uh, on the glass to compete there. I would not worry about that. Look, will you lose something? Of course, but you will gain spacing um, a tiny bit, I guess uh, you will gain passing decision-making ball handling defense. Like I think all of that will offset. Um, and I think defensively that is a pretty big concern too, because you put Ben on there, you can switch a lot more than you can with Dwight. I think that's really my main takeaway with the series with Dwight. He needs to be a plus defender to add any kind of value on the court. And he is not a and plus defender not. against nope. this group and against their skill set. So get him the frick off the floor. Uh, give yourself a chance to execute a little better offensively. Maybe putting Ben in a, a new role, or at least with more ball handlers and shooters and more space, can help get him back on uh, in his groove a little bit. I don't know. I don't have a lot of confidence in that, but at least try it. Um, the fact that they have gone six games in and have not tried it, despite the fact that Dwight Howard has been a huge negative and the bench units have been a huge negative. It's uh, it's it's frustrating for sure, if for sure. And do I expect change? No, but I think it should. I think it should. There was a period for a little bit in, in game six when Ben and Dwight were on the floor at the same time, which that's not the answer. There was, I mean, I thought the, the worst possession I saw all game, and that's saying something because the Sixers were running the old clogged toilet offense down the stretch. <laughs> Where they just, I mean, they just weren't putting any pressure on the rim, and Embiid was, he was catching the ball way too far on the perimeter, all of those things. Uh, the worst possession I saw was in the second quarter when they ran a Dwight Howard, Shake Milton pick and roll, and Ben was standing in the dunker spot. Yeah. What? Wait, you just, yeah. you're just running into each other. What's going on? And, and Shake, Shake has been dreadful too. After that. Yeah. One quarter at the end of one game, and then played all right in the first half of the following game. Outside of that, he has been dreadful, which really does showcase this bench is um it is uh, tough to predict. Tough to predict. So yeah, I mean, you, you head into Game Seven with a bench that you have no idea what you're going to get from them. You have a bunch of starters that you have no idea what you're going to get. You have one of your main cogs. You you're kind of expecting him to disappoint you at this point. Honestly, that's. That's where we we are at with Ben Simmons. So I guess the Sixers are favored still. <laughs> it it it's even if they get through this series, it I mean there's a lot of bad feelings coming from this. Oh like, yeah, and you normally if your team gets the Eastern Conference Finals, you would write like this big long success uh, story piece. <laughs> I can't do that in good faith. This team is more frustrating than it's ever been. Uh, yeah, I, I think, but. I don't know. I, I think it, it's going to be good, though. You know, they'll have a chance to to advance, and if they do, I, I think well, they almost overachieved with this one seed in this weird year. Like it, we knew that the main pieces fit together, but there are a lot of really flawed individual players on this team, and you know, I, I guess that the playoffs like that becomes more apparent when teams start picking at those weaknesses and you see them in pressure situations. But yeah, it's uh, I think you're seeing that the Sixers are not a uh, a versatile juggernaut by any means from uh, 
from watching this series. No, and like that's a fair point. Like if you go back to our preseason predictions podcast, not even predictions, but like after the you know Seth Curry trade and the Danny Green trade, these are nice pieces, but I don't think this is. Um, I think this sets up for the next trade or the next move that will get them to a finals favorite. I don't think this makes them a finals favorite. <sighs> but they did get the one seed. They did overachieve. Embiid is having an MVP caliber season. You don't know how many of those you can get from anyone really like these seasons do not come around all the time. So there is certainly a lost opportunity if they don't make at least a conference finals. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's tough. I I saw a lot of fans or not a lot, but, but some people saying, ah, uh, I, I hope they lose. It would be better for their standing. Like, come on. Like, what, what, what are you talking about here? Like you, you watch 82 games to get to this moment. And what? Well, and also you know, like Daryl Morey doesn't need to be reminded of, like, he's going to be aggressive. Like, he's not going to yeah. say, oh, well, we won 49 games. I can't change that. Like, that's not how Daryl Morey operates. You don't need him to be shocked into making a move. So, yeah, I would say uh, try and enjoy it as much as you can because uh, you never know if you're going to get back to this level, all these things. And, I mean, I say try and enjoy it while saying I imagine as a fan watching the, these games are torture, excruciating. Torture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, you, you come out. You hope Ben Simmons goes for 20 and 15, gets his groove back, gets his mojo back, and you can come out there and compete against that Milwaukee team. Um, because that is a team that doesn't always execute perfectly in high leverage situations either. And I think they're a better team than the Sixers. I said that coming into the playoffs, I think they would be favored against the Sixers. Wait, wait, we're already talking about Milwaukee? No, no, no. I'm just talking about what you hope happens tonight. Oh, okay. So that you can get Ben Simmons back in a groove and win the game against Atlanta. So they win in the night? Uh, I will give them a 55% chance of winning and say yes. So, so they're going to win. I'll, I'll, uh, I'm, not, I'm not comfortable saying that because I have no idea what I'm going to get out of any of those people. But I will say yes. I, will, I, I think you will get a much better effort from Joel. I think his shot selection, his aggressiveness will be better than it was in game six. I think even if it is just momentary, I think the crowd will give him a boost. It'll act as sort of like a cortisone shot, if you will, and he will come out there and play more like game five than game six. But I can't tell you I know that to be true. Yeah, I just find it hard to believe they're going to lose three times at home in a series. I just, it would be, as flawed as they are, I just, I'm not sure I'm seeing it. I think I think you're getting a big Embiid night. I think you're getting a big Tobias night too. Um, and I think the crowd... Is going to be rocking, so yeah, I uh, I don't feel great about it, but I think the Sixers are going to win too. All right, well, we will we'll be there. Uh, we'll see what happens, and after we see what happens, we will let you know our thoughts on it. But thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man. Not ready for exit interviews. Not ready.